Welcome to the 122nd installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. When Tyler Carlson looked to launch his farming enterprise in early 2012, he sought help through the Land Stewardship Project's Farmer Network, a group of over 130 producers who represent a broad spectrum of farming enterprises. Members of the Farmer Network share their experiences and provide informal mentoring to those in the beginning to intermediate stages of production agriculture. Many of these farmers are also presenters at field days, tours, and winter workshops through LSB and other farmer training organizations. Carlson had learned about the network while he was enrolled in LSP's Farm Beginnings course. He was committed to starting a beef grazing operation that would combine pastures and plantings of trees in an innovative silvo pasturing system. But to get started, he needed cattle that would do well on grass and would be easy to handle. So he contacted Parker Forsell, who coordinates LSP's Farmer Network. Through Forsell, Carlson hooked up with Don and Helen Burheim, who graze low-lying Angus beef cattle in west-central Minnesota and who often sell excess animals to beginning farmers. Low-lying Angus, which stands shorter than other breeds, are known for their ability to efficiently turn grass into beef. Tyler traveled about an hour from his farm to the Burheim operation to see the cattle and learn how to handle them. He liked what he saw and eventually bought a few dozen cattle to start his own herd. While visiting the Burheim farm, Tyler was impressed with how they were managing their hilly land in general. And Don and Helen, for their part, liked how Tyler worked with cattle and were excited about his plans for combining grass, trees, and livestock to develop a viable farm and a healthy landscape. As a result, the relationship between the 26-year-old Carlson and the Burheims, who are in their early 70s, has evolved into more than a buyer-seller arrangement. Don and Helen have become mentors for Carlson, and Tyler, in turn, has kept the couple energized about production agriculture and its role in improving the environment. Carlson and the Burheims frequently visit each other's farms, regularly sharing equipment, trading work, and most importantly, exchanging ideas, farm-related and otherwise. This is an example of how a connection forged as a result of the farmer network can evolve from a simple exchange of goods and information to a mutually rewarding relationship. I recently visited the Carlson and Burheim farms to talk about the relationship that's developed between Tyler and the older couple and how it can have payoffs for both parties involved. Tyler started out recalling one dark spring night when he was having some problems with the cattle he had just bought from the Burheims. When we first got the cows here, we didn't have any fence up except for a very small very small area just outside the yard so it was just enough to keep the cows in and um, it was really a little too early to start them grazing i also didn't have water Um, i had no water lines out except for enough that i could stretch from the barn out to some pasture so i had to keep them on a fairly small area where they could access water and so uh, i was feeding some hay for a couple weeks while we got the rest of the fence in and i got some fence up on an area where i could put them off for a couple weeks and um, while i focused on the rest of the infrastructure and we had a couple calves come in the meantime, and we moved the cows, well, it must have been a, it's about 1,500 feet from where they were, down through the yard, across this road. I mean, it was a very complicated move, really. And um, one of the calves got left behind. And I was very worried about it, just because it was so young. It must have been a week old or less. I just was like, this, this calf can't, can't be without its mother, you know, through the night. And we have coyotes and other predators around. I spent an hour or so chasing the calf around, trying to coax it, down the path that it was supposed to go um, back to the herd. And then I called Don and Helen, and after speaking with them, we decided that we could just leave the gates open on both ends of the 
the lane that we made. And sure enough, the mother had come back in the middle of the night to get their, to get her calf, um, even though it was quite a ways for her to go. She knew where to go. So in the morning, they were all hooked up again. But it was, yeah, I suppose I spent two hours chasing that calf around, doing more harm than good. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things, like I said, sometimes it's best to just kind of get out of the way. But when you read books, it seems like, it seems like there's almost like an answer. And if there's a problem, there's something you're supposed to, you're, you're supposed to do something about it. And sometimes that's just not the case. It's just like, sometimes being hands off is better. Quite a year of learning on the farm here. It's been a fairly successful year of learning, largely because I have people in my network now, like Don and Helen. Yeah, it started out, I decided that um, I was on the market looking for my first uh, herd of cattle. And I had an idea of what I was looking for. And um, I was having a little bit of a hard time finding out exactly where I was going to go to find that. And so I <clears throat> sent an email to the Land Stewardship Project to see if there was anyone in the farmer network who, you know, might be a good contact to hook up with for that. Very shortly, probably within a day, I was given the contact information for Don and Helen, and I called them up and we hit it off right from the start. And I ended up purchasing about 30 head of cattle from them. And, you know, I went over there several times to see their operations, see some of their facilities, help work and handle some of the some of the cows before I even purchased or brought them over to my farm here. So I got some more experience um, working with, with cows um, from that. Had a lot of really great conversations where I was able to learn more and talk about um, different infrastructure, uh, equipment things. From there, it's 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 blossomed into this this you know this mentorship that has been absolutely critical to the success of this farm. Um, this first year here, I'm able to call them when I'm having you know something that I'm not quite sure how to deal with, something that isn't quite going to plan, and if I have questions when it comes to hay or equipment or um, you know a corral or something like that, um, they're the, one of the first people I call, and they're always excited to talk to me and lend their expertise and experience and I've helped them out a little bit at their place and they've come over here and helped me out with quite a few projects so it's been really a really wonderful relationship to have to have made via land stewardship project for both um, immediate things on the farm and related to this 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 enterprise here but just the relationship that that we formed off the farm has been really really rewarding as well um, I think that's one of the points you made that was really important was you, you from talking to you, it's obvious you're the kind of person that does your research. You talk to a lot of people. You go to a lot of workshops, field days. You took the Farm Beginnings course. You've read books. You really you do your homework and look at what's what's out there, some of the latest thinking on uh, perennial systems. Um, you've uh, interned on some pretty top-flight uh, farm, Moonstone Farm in western Minnesota, but you realize pretty quickly that uh, all that l kind of bringing that education onto the farm means little unless you can somehow have somebody you can turn to once in a while in those kind of panic situations, kind of. <laughs> yes, definitely. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of times out here where it seems like, hmm, this isn't quite going exactly the way I thought it was supposed to. And it's not necessarily like a train wreck situation, but it's something you want to be on top of and you know, stay ahead of the curve before it turns into that train wreck. And, and being able to talk to someone with the experience of, you know, having had to make lots of tough decisions, which seems like that's about all there is on this kind of operation, where there's lots of hard decisions and none of them necessarily seem to be the best. And so it's because you're dealing with oftentimes short-term consequences, but also 
very, very real long-term consequences that are much harder to flesh out if you haven't had the experience. And so um, being able to to tap into various producers who do have that is is critical. I mean, crucial. And there's there's just there aren't any books out there that provide that, and there probably won't ever will be. I then talked to Don and Helen about how their relationship with Tyler has evolved and how it's helped them feel positive about the future of farming. Don and Helen, we were talking a little bit about this relationship you have with Tyler Carlson, a beginning farmer. I find it interesting because it started out initially as kind of a basic buyer-seller type relationship. He was looking for cattle to start his herd. You guys had cattle. He was particularly interested in your herd because you they're grass-fed, grass-based system, that type of thing. But it kind of evolved from there. I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about how that it sounds like maybe as part of that relationship building, you learned a lot about the way he wanted to raise cattle. He learned how you were doing it, and things kind of went from there a little bit. I think that's true. Uh, it was uh, the more we listened to uh, Tyler and uh, his uh, image of what he wanted to do with cattle, it fit well with ours. And uh, so we enjoyed the conversation and enjoyed the opportunity to visit about what his future might look like. So, Yeah, and you talked a little bit, Helen, about you learned a lot about even the way he, you guys care a lot about your cattle and the way that they're raised, and you didn't want to just sell them to anybody, but you kind of learned how important disposition of animals was and how he kind of handled them, that type of thing. We noticed that um, um, particularly as he was out amongst the cattle that there was a, a specialness about cattle that wasn't just treated as animals, but more of a a special uh, way to handle animals and to to watch them and to um, just be around them was, uh, it just felt like it was a good thing. How important do you think that is? You guys have been around uh, in several different states, have farmed in different states and done different things and come back here to western Minnesota here about a dozen years ago or so. And you've talked a little bit about how exciting it is to see this interest on the part of young people in farming, but that I I get the sense that there, it isn't just a matter of learning maybe some new techniques in farming and getting started, but there, that, that having that mentor is really key. And you guys feel uh, pretty fortunate to maybe be part of that system of being a mentor to, to the next generation. Well... Uh, We really hadn't uh, planned to do this at all or to be involved this way, but uh, it has become uh, immensely satisfying, um, enjoyable uh, relationship. And uh, we are uh, really excited about the energy that young people have for the land and for the livestock and um, whatever we might be able to do to help people with that, uh, we would like to be a part of that. You guys are now in your, uh, he told me your age, by the way, so, sorry. <laughs> You're going to be 70, and he's 72, 3, 73. So you guys, it sounds like you, you have some several years yet in farm that you would be active in farming, but that this has kind of helped you know, some people might think you're on that running towards retirement, getting out of the active end of farming, but that having being able to mentor somebody who's up and coming and young and, and passionate about it, that that's kind of helped maybe give you guys a reason to keep on doing it as long as you can. I, I think one of the um, things as far as helping to pass on the, the idea of grass 
land farming and for young beginning farmers somehow gives um, helps us to have a reason for continuing what we do if we can uh, get a few more started in this way of farming. We think this is uh, the way it needs to go, and so to pass that on is, is a good feeling. Don, you had mentioned, and I think this, I find this really exciting myself. You really got excited when you talked about how, again, uh, many farmers who are your age are like, well, okay, we've kind of been doing it, and we've got it down, and we're kind of just riding it out. But you are really excited about how you think your pastures are looking healthier than ever. Your cattle, you said, are looking great, and you kind of really feel like you're getting a handle on this system and that you've been able to improve that that landscape. I thought that was really interesting. Well, it seems to me that life is always about learning if uh, we avail ourselves of that. And um, I find uh, in all areas that uh, I can continue to learn as long as I'm willing. And so it's really fun to see that happening with the grasses and the soil and with the cattle. There's a healthiness that I really haven't seen before. And even in this rather dry year, it's... uh, it's been really great. So so it's really fun to see that and be part of that and uh, watch that happening. For more information on Farm Beginnings and the Farmer Network, see www.farmbeginnings.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, Contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 